Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, this week we're continuing our series on how to communicate the gospel to others, especially to non-believers. And what you've already been hearing uh, from the last couple of, uh, last few minutes is all about communicating the gospel. There's so many different ways of doing that, uh, whether it's through the Child Contact Center or through participating in drama. Our purpose all the time is to reveal the love of Jesus, the compassion, the care, the concern, and of course the victory that Jesus has won. Uh, over everything that is opposed to the purposes of God. Now, a couple of weeks ago or so, um, Andy Elms was here and he brought us a brilliant, simple message about how to communicate uh, one-to-one with people that we don't even know. And sometimes we're in that situation where an opportunity arises to speak to someone uh, simply because you're sitting next to them on a plane or bus or whatever. Uh, other times we come into contact people with, with people through a whole variety of means. And the question for many people is, how do I open up a conversation about the Lord. How do I get to that point where I can really communicate what I want to communicate about the gospel? Now, Andy Elms uh, actually did a tremendous job, I think, in, in helping people to see that. And he said that he uses this question, uh, you know, what do you think of Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? Uh, And we actually went out for a meal with him uh, for lunch afterwards. And uh, he put this into action with the waitress in the restaurant. And it was very, very effective what he did. But you see, he began by doing what is essential. And that is showing some interest in this young lady. The point is, if we're communicating in love, we don't see other people as evangelistic fodder. What we're called to do is to reveal the love and concern about Jesus for people. And if we are going to communicate the love of God, then we actually show how concerned we are about a person. And, uh, and you know, that's, that isn't actually difficult because all you have to do is to tap in to a person's favorite subject, which is to talk about themselves. So <laughs> you only have to ask a few personal questions, you know, that, that will just get them talking about themselves and what they're doing and so on. You show an interest in them as a person. Now, I've uh, always used a slightly different 
uh, question than, than the one that uh, Andy Elms was using, but it has the same effect. Whether, I'm whether I've been talking to an individual or to small groups of people in evangelistic situations, people who don't know the Lord, the question I've always put to them is, what do you think a Christian is? Now, the reason why I've asked that question is because you can't put the truth on top of a whole lot of wrong ideas. What you need to do first is to get rid of the wrong ideas, then people can receive the right ideas. If you're trying to communicate the truth when people have a whole lot of different and wrong concepts, then all you're doing is actually producing a kind of confusion within them. But if we can get rid of the wrong ideas, then it's easy to communicate the right ideas. So uh, you get a variety of answers to this question. I'll just give you a, a few typical ones. Uh, a Christian is someone who does good deeds. Okay, uh, you would expect a Christian to do good deeds, but Muslims do good deeds. Atheists do good deeds. And so you can say, well, yes, it's true Christians do good deeds, but so do lots of other people. So doing good deeds doesn't make a person a Christian. Lots of people do good deeds who wouldn't want to be identified as Christians. Well, uh, a Christian is someone who believes in God. Okay, but Jews believe in God, but they wouldn't want to be called Christians. Muslims believe in their kind of God. Buddhists believe in their concept of God. Hindus believe in many gods. So believing in God doesn't make a person a Christian. Well, another answer you get is a Christian is someone who goes to church. But there are some people that have gone to church all their lives and are still not Christians. Going to church doesn't actually make you a Christian. Uh, it, you would expect Christians, obviously, to do good works, to believe in God, and to go to church. But none of those activities actually make them a Christian. Uh, and so on. You can get, uh, you know, a Christian is someone who has faith, is another typical one. But everybody has faith. The question is, what do you believe in or who do you believe in? So just having faith doesn't make person a Christian. And I, I suppose over the years, I must have asked this question to many, many hundreds of people individually and personally. And uh, actually, as a result of, of what has flowed from this, I've seen about 98% success in people coming to the Lord. So it's just a starting point. 
But you see, what you can then say, I mean, if you have a group uh, uh, like I've often had, and you've gone around the room, you get one after one question, one answer after another like this, you know. Well, a Christian is someone who does this, a Christian is someone who does that. And then at the end, I say, well, now, really, all these answers are not the truth. Because a Christian isn't someone who does something. A Christian is someone for whom God has done something. Now, you see, immediately there's revelation. Nobody has ever thought like that. When they see Christians, they see what Christians do or don't do or what they believe Christians should do. But they don't understand the only thing that makes a person a Christian is what God has done for them. Now, of course, subsequent to what God does for us, then we pray. That's another one. You know, a Christian is someone who prays, but lots of people pray who aren't Christians. There are lots of things we do because we're Christians, but none of those things make us Christians. And what we're concerned to do is to make Christians or to see God making Christians. And so there's never any point in getting into debates and arguments about the existence of God or why there is evil in the world. And, or All the time you will find that you will never ever bring anyone to the Lord through argument. Always we have to do what Jesus did and that is to aim at the heart. And that is to aim at what is personal to the person, what need a person has in their life. So this um, question, you know, what do you think a Christian is, is just going to open up the way to actually then get to the point where we're going to talk about issues that are real and personal to the person that you're talking to. Because what you want to convey to them is that Jesus wants to do something for you. And the way I've always put this, you see, is, is what God actually wants to do is to give you a kingdom. Now, that is revelation to anybody who isn't a Christian. God wants to give me a kingdom. What on earth are you talking about? What do you mean? And of course, we can understand that as believers because we know that Jesus came with the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what he wanted to do was to make it possible for us to become part of that kingdom. It never, it never helps, I find, to talk about, you know, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? What we want to do is to actually communicate the truth about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. God wants to give you the kingdom of heaven as a gift. You can put it another way. God wants you to, to give you the gift of eternal life. But you see, what you're talking about is a gift. It's not what you do. God wants to give you a gift. And, of course, you can then talk about that gift and, and so on. Uh, and what you do is to create hunger. 
The only people that want to feed are those who are hungry. And you might be talking to somebody you see or a group of people, they're not hungry for God, so you have to create the hunger. You have to create a desire. This is something I didn't realise, but this is something that is interesting. This is something I want, or possibly this is something I need. I need God to give me this gift of what you're talking about. And so we bring people to the point of how can I receive this gift? Now, I'm not a fan of, you know, getting people to repeat a sinner's prayer like a parrot. I believe that if a person is ready to come to the Lord, they will be able to pray their own prayer, even if they've never prayed before in the whole of their lives. If the Holy Spirit is working within them and they're coming under conviction of sin, then they're going to ask God to forgive them and they're going to surrender their lives to Jesus. Let's understand that nobody comes to the Lord just by making a decision. You have to make a decision, but the only people that actually are Christians are those who are born again because they have repented and believed in the Lord Jesus. So we, we're, not, we're not there to try to make quick converts. Now, sometimes you may be in a situation where you're only in a passing relationship with someone, so you can at least get them to make this first step. But they need to understand that it is a first step. How can people repent if they don't understand what repentance is? And how can they believe if they don't know what to believe because they've never received any revelation? So it's important that what we're putting before them is something to believe. God loves you so much, he wants, you, he wants to give to you the gift of his kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven, not when you die, but now. In your life, now. And of course, then you, you can talk about all the value of that, what happens when the kingdom of God is living within you, when you have the life and the love and the power of God within you, which is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not a matter of talk, but of power. So God wants to give you that kingdom. He wants to give you his love. He wants to give you his power. He wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give. This is the, this is the thing, you see, because we know that people only get saved by faith in his grace. And grace is God giving to those who deserve nothing. Now, there are always those who think that they've sinned so greatly that their lives have been so far from God, God would never be interested in them. He would never want them in their kingdom. And so what we are conveying to people is God wants to give to you. God wants to give to you no matter how sinful you've been, no matter what your lifestyle has been, no matter how far from God, no matter how, far, how much you've blasphemed him, no, no matter how much you've cursed him, no matter how much you've ridiculed Christians, God is not concerned about any of that because in his love he wants to give to you. 
Are you getting the message? We have this tremendous gift ourselves, but you know, whatever God does in your life is never for you, but only so that you can give to others what he's given to you. And this is the whole point. God has given us the kingdom so that now we become those through whom that gift of the kingdom can be given to others. We don't give the gift, of course, but we give the revelation that opens up this tremendous understanding uh, that God loves them, cares about people so much that he actually wants to give to them. You see, many people are afraid of relationship with God because they think all he's going to do is take from them. He's going to sort of destroy their lives in the sense that they're no longer going to be able to do all the things they wanted to do or they loved doing or, or, or um, that, that he's a kind of a killjoy. Whereas in fact, the very opposite is true because we know that when God gives to us, what he gives us is the fullness of joy. Of course, non-believers don't know that and they don't understand that. So we've got to create this hunger and this realization that it doesn't matter what your lifestyle has been, God still wants to give you this wonderful gift. And of course, <clears throat> at some point, we have to then begin to talk about the cross. But again, not, not focusing on the suffering and how Jesus suffered, but what God wants to give to us through the cross. Now, of course, non-believers don't understand the cross. They don't understand the reason for the cross. Even if they have been brought up in, you know, perhaps went to a church school or something like that, so they know about the cross. I mean, a lot of people don't even know about the cross these days. But even if people do, they don't necessarily understand why it was necessary for Jesus to be crucified. But for us to be able to say, well, look, your previous lifestyle, all the, all the sin, all the failure, was actually put to death on the cross. What you're actually conveying to people is this truth. Again, you, you, you notice how Jesus in the gospel asked people questions. This is very, very important that you don't preach to people, you ask them questions. And, and as you ask questions, then that gives you the opportunity to, to uh, reveal more of the truth to them. And you see, one of, these one of these good questions to ask is, have you ever thought that it would be wonderful to start your life all over again without having made all the mistakes that you have made? without all the things that you now regret? And everybody to that, answer, to that question says, well, yes. And I said, well, that's precisely what God is offering you. He's saying you can now have an entirely new life. You can start your life all over again and all the failure and all the sin and all the negative things of the past are going to be cancelled out so you start a brand new life without any of that sin, without any of that failure, without all those things that you regret in the past. As far as God is concerned, they will no longer exist. You will have a new life and actually he will make you a new person. Yes. 
You see, giving, giving. This is what God is going to do for you, not what you're going to do for God. This is what God is going to do for you. Christian isn't someone who does things for God by going to church and saying his prayers and doing this and doing that. A Christian is someone who is living in the goodness of what God has done for him or for her. Amen? Because they live in the goodness of what God has done, therefore there are certain things that they want to do in response to that love. But we can only love because he first loves us. So the whole emphasis is on what God wants to give. And you know, some of the street preachers that you hear that are rather embarrassing is, is the, you know, the wages of sin is death. And, and, and uh, you know, oh, what is going to happen to you when you die? If you get run over by a bus, are you going to go to hell or heaven? It's creating fear, not revelation of what God wants to give or what God wants to do. It, it's, it's giving the impression, you know, uh, whether you become a Christian or not is going to depend upon what you do rather than depend upon what he has already done. And in his great desire, in his love to give. People don't understand that the love of God is a love that gives. It's not emotional love. It's not based upon feelings. It's not based upon circumstances. It, it, it's, it's a love that is given. God loved the world that he gave his son. And when he gives, God always gives his best. So what we're communicating to people is God wants to give to you. God wants to give you his best. God can never do anything that is second best. God can never do anything that is partial. God always does the best. He always gives the best. And, you know, I'm not going to go into or, or the explanation of the cross now that, that you know. What we're talking about is how to create this hunger, how to get people to understand that God doesn't want to take from them. God wants to give to them. God really wants to enrich their lives. God wants to set them free from all the things that actually, secretly, they would love to be set free from. Wouldn't it be good to know that even though there's lots of things you regret, all the guilt of those things no longer exists, that the guilt is taken away because God has given you forgiveness. So <clears throat> salvation isn't really a concept that most non-believers understand. But we as Christians know that what God wants to do is to give salvation. You can't earn salvation. Salvation can never come through anything you do. There's no such thing as salvation by good works. That's the whole reason why God sent Jesus to establish the new covenant. Under the old covenant, people were trying to uh, be pleasing in God's sight by obedience to the religious law, but they kept failing to do that. You can never earn acceptance by God. You can never deserve acceptance by God. The great thing is that Jesus loved sinners. And 
You know, it's so important that when we're communicating the gospel to someone, you never ever react or show any reaction to some of the negative and sometimes the terrible things that they tell you about themselves. Some people, you know, they think that they will try to shock you by telling you the lurid details of something or other in their lives. You know, just to try to make you see I'm not really conversion material. You know, God wouldn't be interested in me. And of course, you don't react to this. I mean, I've, I've sometimes sat and listened to people uh, unfold their lives because they've, they've, they've needed to, to bring out of, out of the darkness of their lives the terrible, terrible things that have, not that just they've done, but sometimes have been done to them. And, you know, you, you sit there and you, it almost makes you feel physically sick. But the thing you must never, ever do is show even any facial um, reaction as if this is terrible, this is awful. To Jesus, he knows all about it. Jesus has already dealt with it on the cross. And nothing, nothing, nothing that has happened in the life of any individual can disqualify them from the gospel. So the love of God covers all that. What Jesus has done on the cross covers everything that anybody could ever have done against God, against his will, against his purpose. So God wants to give you a kingdom. God wants to give you a new life. God wants you to know, yes, uh, that you will when you die, you will go to heaven because you are already part of the kingdom of heaven. And of course, somewhere along the way, you may need to say, of course, if you don't belong to the kingdom of heaven now, then what makes you think you're going to belong to the kingdom of heaven when you die? I mean, it's inconsistent, isn't it, to say, I have no interest in the kingdom of heaven now until I die, and then I want to go to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to us. But that's the way that most people think. And, you know, they may not say they believe in heaven, but they, they believe that they're going to meet up with all their loved ones when they die. Why are they going to meet up with them? What do they mean by this? Or, you know, oh, well... He or she is looking down on me and this, that and the other and when I die I'm going to go. I mean, there's all this sort of woolly, vague thinking which for the most part is wishful thinking and bears absolutely no relation to the truth about heaven and who is in heaven and who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. What we want is for people to know I belong to the kingdom of heaven now and God actually has put that kingdom within me. So we know that as Christians, we are called to live that kingdom lifestyle. Amen? We have the life of the kingdom so we can live the life of the kingdom. Of course, we can still live as the world lives. But that really is to deny the value of the gift that God has given us. I mean, the choice we have as believers 
is whether we continue to live as the world lives or whether we live this new life of the kingdom that God has given to us and that it cost us the, the death of his son to be able to give to us. It, it is such a, from God's point of view, it cost him so much to give us this gift. We therefore value this gift. But it's so important, you see, for people to realize that when they receive this gift that God wants to give them, there's no condemnation for them. And, and, they, and even once they become a believer, there will never be any condemnation. Like you know, there's no condemnation for you. Even if you mess up, even if you, even if you fail God in some way, he still doesn't condemn you because you belong to his kingdom. Hello? You see, and in the kingdom of God, there is no condemnation. In, in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And, and we know that as those who belong to the kingdom, we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. Well, now it's a little bit more of a difficult concept to get across to non-believers. But it's amazing how if you open up the scripture even to non-believers, God will speak to them through the word. Now, this is not with your initial contact, but this is if, if, you're, if you're building a relationship where you can really begin to communicate the truth to someone because now they're interested. You see, when, when, when I was a young pastor and, and uh, we had all these evangelistic groups called How to Know Jesus, uh, and... People came from all kinds of, of backgrounds and none. I mean, some of them total ignorance of the gospel. But I would take them through Romans 6 and Romans 8. Now, if you know what is in Romans 6, it's all about being dead, buried, your old life dead, buried with Christ, crucified with him. God giving you a new life. And then Romans 8, of course, is all about the new life you have in the spirit. You've got a group of interested people and what they understand is if I give my life to the Lord, I am actually going to die. My old life is going to die. That I can only be born again because the old life has first been put to death. And once, once, you, once you have got people interested, you know, they're hungry for this kingdom, then you can say, okay, these are the terms on which you come into the kingdom. Because I believe, you see, that if you try to, to push someone into really making a commitment to Jesus before they're ready, what you get is a premature baby. Now, in the natural, premature babies are weak and often sickly and can actually have health issues for several years after, after their premature death. I mean, as a you know, hospital chaplain, at one point, I would, I would go into the maternity ward and, and see these, these little babies, one and a half pounds and, and smaller. And I prayed for them and they survived. Hallelujah. Because, you know, I would have to go in as an Anglican priest and, and, and pray for them to be 
baptized. You don't have a theological discussion in situations like that. You, you just go in and do what is necessary. But I can remember that on one occasion, because often I, I've got emergency calls in the middle of the night because the ladies keep having these premature babies in the middle of the night. I don't know why, but <laughs> most inconvenient, but they did. But there was one occasion when there was this, this Irish sister. She was, she was, she was a Catholic, and, and, and I came to uh, baptize this little baby, and she said, Oh, Father! She always called me Father. You know. She said, Father, I'm so glad it's you, because every time you come, you pray for the babies, and they never die. And I say, well, praise the Lord, because that's why I go. I mean, you know, whatever you think happens by, by well, you can't pour water over the baby. You just tap them on the, on the head with a little bit of water. But I prayed for them. Amen. And God answers prayer, doesn't he? Hallelujah. But you see, the, the, the point is that we know that if we are to really see people become disciples, we're not going to try to make them premature, immature believers who have all kinds of issues. Let's face the issues right at the beginning. And I've just actually written, we're in the process of producing it now, um, a little booklet. It, we're, I'm, I'm writing a series of four. We're going to call them Kingdom Faith Miniatures because we're going to produce them in miniature size so you can put them in your pocket or in your handbag. And, and this, this first little one is, is called How to Know Jesus and it takes people through these essential things and shows them at the end how to Actually, we call it write a letter to Jesus, whereby they give to him all the sin, all the failure, or everything of the past. They surrender, simple way of how to surrender their lives to Jesus. But what you get at the end is a real Christian, someone who is born again and someone who will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how to begin your Christian life. You don't begin, God doesn't want you to begin as, as someone who's been pushed and rushed into something that they don't really even understand. And actually, Christ has not really been able to deal with the issues in their lives because those issues have never been brought to him. So I believe in, in proper birth. Amen? Amen? We want to see people birthed properly so that they grow up as strong, mature believers. Yes? So, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no credit in saying, oh, I got three people to pray the sinner's prayer. Well, praise God if you did, but that needs to be followed up. Amen? Because what we want to see is people set free completely to know that they have died. Their past has been dead and buried with Christ. Now they are a new creation. Now they belong to God's kingdom. Now the kingdom of heaven is within them. God has blessed them. God has given them new life. God has given them his spirit. He's given them all the riches and resources of the kingdom. He's given them everything in Christ. Why not start like that? I found if you start like that, this is where I got the 98% success because I actually led people personally 
at the, at the end of, of these times of revelation. I led them one by one to the Lord, or they, I didn't lead them, they prayed their own prayer. I was just there to give them assurance of forgiveness and then to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and sometimes often to be healed as well. But praise God, why not start with the power of God? We, you know, we don't have to think that, oh, well, this is just a new believer and now with this, 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 this. Let's, let's bring them revelation of the truth as much as we can. Now, of course, there, there are the situations where, you know, all we can do is just the preliminary thing, the first step. Praise God for that. But most of the time, the people that we're going to impact are those that we can have personal relationships with. And if, if by what you say right at the beginning, you create that hunger, then people are going to want to know more. They're going to want to know how they can receive all these things that you say God wants to give them. This new life, this new beginning, this kingdom, this sense of being completely forgiven and, uh, and feeling guiltless, guilt-free, blameless. It's so wonderful. People don't understand that. They think it's going to church and their experience of church, if they have any at all, is boring services which they didn't understand. They didn't know when they were supposed to stand up or what page of the book they were on. And they feel acutely embarrassed. Perhaps most for most it was at a funeral or a wedding and, and where there was no real gospel content. So they just don't understand that being a Christian isn't going to services. And going to services doesn't make a person a Christian. If you are a Christian, you go to services. But those services never made you a Christian and those services are not what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to live the Jesus life, to live the life of the kingdom, to no longer live as the world lives, but to live the new life. So in order for that to happen, People need to be given the new life. And that, my friends, it seems so simple, doesn't it? It seems so, so simple. But this is, this is really at the heart of communicating the gospel. God wants to give to you. I found that is more meaningful than to say God loves you. Because you see, God expresses his love in giving. And to say God loves you, I mean, people's understanding of love is, is um, based upon emotion and feeling. And of course, the love of God isn't based upon emotion and feeling. And you notice in the Gospels, nowhere, nowhere in all the Gospels does Jesus say to people, God loves you. But what you see in the Gospels is Jesus giving. He gave salvation. He gave forgiveness. He gave healing. He gave deliverance. He gives. He gives. He gives. He gives. He gives. He gives. 
he gives. That's how he communicated love. He didn't talk about it, he did it. And John, of course, who was the closest of the disciples to Jesus, he said, let us not love with word or speech, but in deed and in truth. And you see, where did he get that from? From watching Jesus. God gives and gives and gives, gives healing, gives deliverance, gives salvation, gives forgiveness, <coughs> gives freedom. He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives. That's not how people think about God. But that's what we know about God. And that's what we want to communicate about God. And you can communicate that because God has given to you. So you're only sharing with others what you know to be the truth because God has given to you salvation. He's given to you the kingdom. He's given you new life. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you complete forgiveness. Hallelujah. What a God. What love that gives. Come on, let's stand. Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you that we're only here this morning as a body of believers because of all that you have given to us. And thank you, Lord, we can... We can never be thankful enough for what you have given. And if, Lord, we ever take what you've given for granted, please forgive us. And, and may our hearts be filled with thanksgiving every day that we live in your goodness. We live in this new life. We live the Jesus life. We live the life of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that... that even though we may do these things imperfectly, yet we belong to you and we belong to the kingdom and, and you want to bless us and you want to give to us every day of our lives. And Lord, we thank you that when we, we, we have these contacts with non-believers, that you want to give to them through us. You want to give them revelation of the truth. You want to show them that you are a God who gives. You're not a God who wants to take. You're not a God who wants to punish. You're not a God who wants to judge. But you're the God who wants to give. That you've suspended your judgment for this whole era of grace so that you can give salvation before the day of judgment comes. And we praise you, Lord. We bless you for all the opportunities that you give to us to give. And Lord, we want to be those who, who know that that river of life flows from heaven through our lives and out of us like a river of living water. And Lord, we want to see others benefit from that. And Lord, I, I pray too that we will have the boldness to pray for healing of non-believers that to, to dare to believe that you will give them healing even before they become believers, to show you them your goodness, to show them your love, to show them your compassion, your mercy, to show them, to demonstrate that you are the God who gives. And that you want to give them much more than just healing. You want to give them salvation. You want to give them eternal life. You want to give them a whole eternity where they will live in your glorious presence. 
and know and love and serve you for the rest of their lives here on earth. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. And Lord, we thank you that it is harvest time because you are training us and equipping us, helping us to understand how we can be not only sowers, but reapers. Hallelujah. But Lord, we know that there's no reaping without the sowing first. So may we, may we know that anointing to be on, upon us to sow the truth of all that you want to give, to be like Jesus, just to give and give and give and serve and bless and give and serve and bless and let the actions speak for themselves so that whatever we say is backed up by the signs and wonders of your giving. So we bless you, Lord. And I just want you to, just before we finish, I want you to thank God now for all those that are going to come to the Lord through your witness. Come on, you don't know them yet. You don't know how many there are, but they're there, they're out there, they're out there. God is going to use every person in this church, every person in this room now to bring others into the kingdom of God. Come on, let's so thank the Lord. If you've never led anyone to the Lord before, you are going to, hallelujah. And you're going to see that it isn't, it isn't, you know, something that is just for evangelists or just somebody who has that kind of bent. No, no, no. You are a witness because of what God has given to you. And you are going to give to others because of what he's given to you. So we bless you, Lord, and we thank you for all those that are going to come into the kingdom. We thank you for all those that are going to receive salvation, all those that are going to be healed, all those that are going to be set free, all those, Lord, that are going to become servants and disciples who themselves will then go out and give your life to many others. That it's going to, it's going to snowball, Lord. That what just begins in a small way is going to snowball. It's going to, it's going to multiply. It's going to be become bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger over these coming months and years. And thank you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.